we've seen in three years, but it has been a great ride, and I am so, so thankful that you are here celebrating with us today, because that's what today is, is a celebration of the three years that God has brought us all together, and we will see some faces come and some faces go, and uh, the great thing is you are here with us as we embark on Today's kind of a weird day because it's March 1st, and it's a leap year, so there's five weeks in the month of March. The month that, the, the year that we started, 2017, um, it was a four-week month, and so um, it's March 5th is our birthday. That's the day that we actually started on. So a couple of weeks ago, the leaders of the church and I got together to discuss, all right, when do we want to celebrate? Do we want to celebrate the first uh, Sunday of March or, uh, or March 8th, because actually March 5th is a little closer to March 8th, and so we put our heads together and decided that the first week of March was the week that we started, so today and every year after this, our birth date is on the first week of March, and um, it is just, it's, it's been great to watch what, what God has done. Um, if, if you're here this morning and, and maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and you're like, you know, I just, I want more of this church. There's, every once in a while, someone will come in for the first time even and say, I want more of this church. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to join me at 1145 in the middle classroom. It's the room right outside the exit door um, for what we call My Refuge. We say it is uh, your path. It's your path to make this house your home, uh, and we want everyone to do that. So uh, at 1145, we'll be in there. Today, not only do we have our bags for our birthday, but we got new church merch on sale, and so uh, some of you guys are already rocking your sweatshirts. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and then we also have a, a photo photo booth outside. Uh, please stand in front of the new people and get in front of that old number three and have your picture. We will um, post that on our social media. If you want to do the duck list, that's fine. We'll just judge you for it. So, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so today on our birthday, I thought that I would begin the same way that I began on our launch day. Now, let me just, I, I don't always like to do this, but um, do me a favor. If you were on our launch day, if you were here, if you were at the Refuge Church on our launch day, just raise your hand in the air. Raise your hand in the air. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, notice, um, I don't even know if that was half the room, right? So, like, we realize that people come and people go. Uh, that's a part of, of being a church, uh, and people come and people go. And we're just thankful for who we have right now and who God is working on right now. And so, um, at our launch day, I did something um, that I want to do every year that we celebrate the first year. I wrote a letter to the Refuge Church that I read on our birthday, and I want to read that for you this morning. Dear Refuge Church, today 
compassion to the world's cruelty. The compassion that you offer is nothing that you have. Because of you, your pastor, or where you are located, the compassion that you offer is found in one man, Jesus Christ. He is the one that died so that you can exist. But he didn't stay in the grave. He came back to life to offer hope to this world. You will always point people to him so that they can find their way back home to God. There are some pretty nasty pictures of Jesus that exist in this world. But you always strive to be the most beautiful picture of Jesus anyone has ever laid their eyes on. Welcome to the World Refuge Church. It has been waiting for you. Love. For this year, here is my PS. You are growing so well. I am so proud of what God is doing for you. But it's time that you start experiencing what God can do through you. The best. Last week, I began to introduce this year's theme for our birthday, and that is this far by faith. And one of the things that I said was that if we're going, we've come this far by faith, but if we're going to continue, we have to find a way to be generous. I want to talk to you a little bit today on the thought of what God can do through you. My family and I moved to Linda Cain. 2016 to start the Refuge Church. That's why when a lot of people, when I meet people, they ask why you do what you do. Why did you move to Canada? We moved to start a church. You are the reason we're here. I believe, and we believe as a family, that the local church is the hope of the world. We believe it so much that we sold everything that we had to move here. And, and I don't do that. I don't say that to, to pat ourselves on the back. It's not about us. It's about the youth that we serve that uses the local church to offer the hope to the world. It's all about him. He's the reason why we did it. The local church is the hope of the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an organization. It's not another What's exciting is that we are beginning in year three to experience what God can do through our church. I believe that. I see it every day. We're beginning to experience how God is using the, the Refuge Church to be that hope to the world. I, I want to I just tell you a few things that we did last year that may, many of you may not know. 
there is a report on our website that you can access at the bottom of the page, my 2019 report. Um, but in 2019, you gave $33,714 to Mission. That's more than 10% of what we brought in, ladies and gentlemen. And that goes to give to the local local ministries, to, um, to, to local outreaches even. Uh, it goes to, to give to national missions, to starting other churches. It also get, goes to going, doing international missions. That's way more than 10% of what we brought in because we believe that the church is the hope of the world. And so when you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. For the past two years, the refuge has been one of, not not the largest, but one of the largest donors to the Wyndham Summer Fest. Where we provide money to, to sponsor an inflatable park for families to bring their kids to. Um, and, and we don't we don't charge families to, to do the, the inflatable. And every year the town looks at me like I'm crazy that we don't want to charge people for the inflatable. How much, like the first year that we did this, two years ago, uh, the town came to me and they said, um, I want you to know that there was a, a, a mom with a handful of kids that came to the information booth and said, how much are the tickets for the inflatables? And when they told her that the inflatables were free, she was moved to tears because she didn't know how she was going to provide for the kids to jump on the inflatables. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what the church is supposed to do. And so I can't wait till the Refuge Church can be the largest donor to Summerfest because we're supposed to lead the way. We sang a song, a, a new song this morning about being, about, it's called Famous For. And one of the lines was, was about the power that others sees in God when, when he uses us. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is what makes God famous. And the problem is so many churches have made God famous for other reasons because they stood for what they were against more so than what they're for. So we will always be a church that is for what we are known, what we're for, and not what we're against. It's part of our culture. This year, Summerfest has asked us, they always ask us to be in the parade, by the way, with me going. And um, I just politely decline. You're welcome. <laughs> so, not, not that I have anything against parades. I mean, that'll probably walk in five miles. But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you guys, uh, I can tell. No, I'm just kidding. Summerfest came to us this year and they said, we want your band be on stage, and so they've invited our band to be on stage for the hours from 3.45 to 5 o'clock. I don't know if you know much about Summerfest, but like they usually take the best for last, um, 
for them. You can use me. Now, we'll be able to do it the way we did with Cole because they signed great before. But, but we want to make an impact in this world. And we are. This past week, participate in, in something with it, and I asked the person in charge of that, um, I asked them how things were going with fundraising for this organization. They, um, they specialize in, uh, it's, it's an extension of the D.A.R.E. program, they, they specialize with, with kids and kids on drugs. I asked him, I said, how's fundraising going? And he looked at me and he said, what, you, you lead a nonprofit, you understand about fundraising. I believe that the church, when, and this is what I told them, I said, when, when God's people are faithful to give back to him the way he tells them to, that the church can be the most generous organization in the world, and that we can invest in organizations like yours. And he went, whoa. Because so many churches... Second Corinthians chapter nine. There's a, there's a passage that actually talks about this. And I want you, I want to show you this so that you know that it's not my idea. I want to show you in Second Corinthians chapter nine. You can turn your Bibles or you can follow along with today's uh, all of today's notes in the U version Bible app. By the way, the U version Bible app is releasing something very soon, uh, an extension of the Bible app that is a prayer app where you can. this, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a, a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that your giving is definitely between you and God, but you have to be willing to go to him and ask him how much you should give. The problem is, and I'm going to talk about this, I don't want to get too far ahead of my talking to God about how much we should get, give, we look at our bank account about how much we should give. I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to stop preaching for a minute. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I am so thankful that the refuge has set, we've set ourselves up 
to where we've got enough money in the bank that we could pay for almost a year's worth of rent. Um, we actually, we could pay for a year's worth of rent um, without any other money coming in if we had to. A whole year. And ladies and gentlemen, look, the high school's not cheap for me. Like, we, we pay rent to gain expenses to be with the family. But we are very blessed. I am thankful that I stand before you and I talk about giving because it's, it's, it's what we have to do in order to obey God, not because our church needs the money. This isn't about pressure. Period. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. When you give out of pressure, you give reluctantly. Uh, I don't know if I can trust that guy with my money. Because I don't know if he's going to go and squander it. I don't know if he's going to go and waste it. So I'm just going to I'm just going to give a little bit just in case he messes up. But God loves a cheerful giver and God will generously provide all you need. And then he will always have you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. When we give, he gives back to us so that we have all we need to share with other people. That's the design for the church. It's the design for you too. Verse 9, and the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, and good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity to you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. When you give to the church and we give to others, it points them to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Your generosity has a lot to do with people coming to know Jesus. I believe that there's a reward in heaven for those of you that have given to our church, for those that have come to know Jesus, because you have invested. Many of you have heard of the term ROI, return on investment. The problem is when we look at the church, a lot of times we're looking for for a direct, like like we, we look at it the same way we do business. And I think that's okay. However, in God's economy, he's not concerned about the ROI, the return on your investment. He's concerned on the E-ROI, the eternal reward on your investment. And when you give to the church and people come to know Jesus, you are responsible for that. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous and win we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So, two good things will result of the ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And all the believers will prove that they are obedient to the good news When God's people are faithful, the church gets to be the most generous, 
mechanism, the most generous vessel that God uses. The problem is a lot of nonprofits beg for money, and a lot of churches are seen as nonprofits. You know my favorite thing about Summerfest? My favorite thing about Summerfest is seeing the kids' face when they find out that the cotton candy that we're giving away is free. It's my favorite thing. The parents, yes, the parents do pay for it. You're welcome again. I saw a story this last week about a church, a mega church. I, I need to emphasize that this was a mega church. This was a big church. So I'm not expecting the rest of these churches to go and do something like this. But there was a church in Cincinnati that provided $46.5 million to eliminate 45 families' medical debt. 45,000 families' medical debt. 45,000 families. That's bigger than a town of Wyndham. The church is supposed to be the most generous out of all the organizations in the world. So why isn't? Why isn't the church the most generous? Well, I, I think that um, it's not that I don't think God's people are generous or aren't faithful. It's not that. I think that people that know Jesus know what generosity looks like. Therefore, they are generous. They are, I, I believe that when you know Jesus, you are generous. You become generous by nature. I believe this. You, you cannot experience the love of a generous God without becoming someone generous to others. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life abundantly. And we have a thief that is roaming the world, stealing from us. And he uses nothing more than money to steal from us. And he steals from us in more ways than we could ever think. When Satan steals from us by causing us not to be generous, he robs God's people from the abundance that he has for them, but he also robs the world of the love that we can extend to them. I refuse to believe that people are stingy. I don't think you're stingy. I think people are strapped. People aren't stingy. People are strapped. Because Satan has stolen from us. And for the rest of our time this morning, I want to give you six points from my favorite Bible story in the Bible. The story of the prodigal son. Of how Satan steals from us. It's found in Luke chapter 15. You can follow along again in the Bible app or on your cell phone. Verse 11, it says this. To illustrate, illustrate his point further, Jesus told this story. A man has two sons. Say two sons. All right, you're still with me. That's good. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so the father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. Number one, the first thing that Satan will do to steal from you is convince you that you need more. 
Satan will rob us by convincing us that we need more. The prodigal son thought he needed more. You see, the prodigal son's father was wealthy. He was the most wealthy guy in the village, I think. I believe that culture shows us that. But, and, and he was experiencing the wealth of his father living at home with dad. He was probably a millennial. Living at home with dad. Experiencing the wealth of his father. But no, 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 no. That wasn't enough. He wanted to make his decisions with his money. And he said, dad, I want my my, my share right now. The problem was he was younger. He didn't have any say in the matter. Because culture, we don't, we don't do inheritance quite like this anymore. But in, in this culture, and, and I, would, I would encourage you, write down the name of this book, The Cross of the Prodigal. A lot of today's um, context comes from Kenneth Bailey's book, The Cross of the Prodigal. Every time I teach on the prodigal son, um, that's what I reference. And this son doesn't have any say in, in, in the inheritance. So he goes to his father, and, and his older brother sitting here going, well, dude, what are you doing? You don't even have a say in the matter. But what, is, what does the Bible say? The, the Bible says that, that the father goes and he gives it to him anyway. Even though the, the younger son didn't have a say in the matter, he still gave it to him. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm starting to get ahead of myself. Because Satan had convinced him that he needed more. Now, you have to understand what this meant. When the younger son goes to the dad and he says, Dad, I want my money. What would have to happen in order for him to get his money normally? The dad would have to die. So he's looking at his son, at his dad. He's saying, "Dad, guess what? I wish you were dead. I want my money." That's what he what, what he should have said. He didn't realize how good he had it because the blindness that more gives us doesn't let us see how well we have it. Ladies and gentlemen, you live in the United States of America. You have it so well. We have living rooms we don't live in and dining rooms we don't dine in. We are so blessed to live in this country. And yet we want more. Satan will steal from us by convincing us that we need more. The second thing Satan will do to steal from you is he will convince you that God wants to rob you of the fun and the blessing. He will convince you that God is the thief and not him. God isn't afraid to let you go your own way, to let you find out that it's the wrong way. He says, all right, go. Because I have light. I have hope for you. I have peace for you. You'll be better. But Satan uses 
convinces us that when we come to God that our freedom is gone. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to God, your freedom is born. I have never been more free than when I have given my heart fully over to Jesus. The Bible says in verse 12, so the father agreed to divide his wealth with his son. He granted him his request because he wasn't afraid to let him go. Verse 13 says, a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. Number three, the third thing that Satan will do to steal from you is he will, con- he will convince you what is destructive is actually constructive. He will convince you that which is destructive will build you up. You see, the Bible says that he wasted the inheritance on wild living. But what we don't catch in the story as Western just like the western part of the world. What we don't understand, what we don't, what we don't catch is that later on in the story, the older brother, and I think it's verse 30 or something like that, the older brother says, while this, while this kid has been out wasting your money on prostitutes, but the Bible doesn't say that he wasted the money on prostitutes. It just says that he wasted it on wild living. That's in the original text too. So a lot of times I'll hear pastors that preach this message and they'll talk about how the prodigal goes and wastes the, the money on prostitutes. There's no evidence to say that he wasted it on, prosti- on prostitutes. What culture tells us is that he would have used that money. Nothing, step off your phone. He would have used that money to take it to throw large parties and invite people there in order to impress them. prodigal son took his inheritance and he tried to convince people that he was something. And yet today we often buy things to try and impress people. To try and convince them that we are someone. The desire to impress others will always rob you of God's blessing. Because other people aren't the ones that we need to impress. We live for an audience of one, and he is the only one that matters. And that's why he said, when you give back to me first, I will give to others. Verse 14. About that time, his money ran out. The money always. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs 
looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. The fourth thing that Satan will do to rob us is he will convince us that a storm is never coming. Because when the storm comes, it never comes when the money is there. It never comes when there's a surplus. It always comes when it's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got great news for you. A bad day is coming. Pastor Adam, shouldn't you be more positive? I'm positive a bad day is coming. And statistics show us that when a bad day comes, that most Americans aren't prepared. Statistics in America show us that uh, most people, more than 189 million Americans have credit cards. On average, each household with a credit card has $8,396 on one credit card. Most Americans have one. Most of those that have one have four. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that's a lot of money. And when a storm comes, their likelihood of putting that, the money for that storm on another credit card is very high. And they just rack it up and rack it up and rack it up. And I haven't even mentioned student loans or credit or car 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 um, payments. Pastor Adam, what does my debt have to do with my relationship with God? If 2 Corinthians 9 tells us to go to God and ask him how much we we need to give, if our first reaction is to go to our bank account when we go with him, which one is influencing you to give? Is it God or your bank account? That's why it matters. He promises, promises us if we only give him 10% of what he's already given us in 100%, if we just give him 10% back, he will pay back to us enough that we have to share this with others. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, the hired servants have food enough to spare, and I am dying of hunger. Number five, the fifth thing that Satan will do to rob you is he will keep you from coming to your senses. He will do everything he can to keep you from coming to your senses. He'll stop you from coming to church. He'll stop you from getting in relationship with other believers. He will do everything that he can to stop you from coming to your senses. The question is, what will it take for you to come to your senses? What will it take for you to come to your senses? Verse 18 and 19 says this. It says, I will go home. So after the son comes to his senses, he says, I will go home to my father. And I will say, I, can, I, I cannot preach the, pro, the prodigal son without including this, without, like, highlighting this. I will go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And when the son comes to his senses, he thought of three things that he could do. He's going to go home. He's going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's two. And three, make me your hired servant. You see, ladies and gentlemen, number six, the sixth thing that Satan will do to convince us that God doesn't have our best at heart and, and that that he'll do to rob from us is he will convince you that you have got to earn the Father's approval. He will convince you that you have got to earn the Father's love. You see, the prodigal son, look, look at verse, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He filled with, with, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. Son said to him, now notice, notice what the notice the change. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, go and quick, bring me the finest robe. Bring me the finest for my son. I want you to know that we can never son came running home, when the son ran to the father, did you notice that he didn't sing that song this morning? That was on purpose. We will sing it again in a moment. Because we've all got to get to a point where we will run to the father. And when you do, when you do, he doesn't ask you any questions. All he does is he gives you an opportunity to talk. And then he says, let me go and get the finest. I want you to know this morning, the reason I stand up here and I tell you these things is because God's got the finest for you. When he got to the father, the prodigal got to the father, and he didn't ask him what he did with his money. Did you notice that? He didn't say, son, what'd you do with my money? I want the rest. God doesn't make us pay him back. And you could never earn his love because it is so great. When the son came running home, the father met him right where he was. And I want you to know this morning that he will meet you right where you are as well. You see, the Bible says that where your treasure is, your heart is also. And I believe that our money is connected to a lot more than we think it is. It's connected a lot more to it. Money has power. Money has power in my life. It has power in our world. And we serve the most generous God of all. 
all he requires, here's the, here's the great thing, because some of you are sitting there and you're saying, but I don't have much, Adam. I get it. That's okay. All he wants is your heart. That's it. When the son got home, all he had to do was say, Father, I have sinned. He's the one I have sinned. I am not worthy. When we come to God, all we have to do is say, God, I have sinned, and I need you. I am not worthy of what you're giving me, but I accept it, and I give you my heart. sing, run to the Father, but before we do, I want to pray with you, and I just want to let you know that I've got uh, some people up here at the front of the, the stage that would, would love to pray with anyone that's here this morning that's carrying a burden. We don't want you to carry that alone. I need to do a better job of letting you know that every single week. We have people that are prepared to pray with you, so down here at the front, as well as our next step. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor Adam, I need to run home. I need to run to the God that loves me and cares for me. We're not going to take up an offering now. That's not, that's not why I gave this talk. That's not, that's not what this is about. It's about your heart. It's always about your heart. That there is a Father in heaven. That's just waiting for you to come home. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Adam, I need to run home this morning. Would you just do me a favor? Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. Anybody? Anybody at all? Thank you. I see that. Anybody else? Pastor Adam, that's me. I need to run home. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to follow him. Would you raise your hand? I want to invite you. Say this prayer. Say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so that I can be forgiven. Help me to experience your generosity so that celebrate. Come on. Let's celebrate what God has done this morning. We're going to run to the Father together, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you for coming.